This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. Today we're going to be in John chapter 21. Of course, you can also look back at Luke chapter 5. I'm going to refer to that here at the beginning of the message. On February 5th, beginning of the year, we dealt with the first miraculous catch of fish in Luke chapter 5. And in that miracle, Peter said to the Lord in Luke 5 verse 5, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Today we come to the second miraculous catch of fish. Now in the Gospels, if you lay the miracles of Jesus out in chronological order, Jesus' first miracle was a miracle at a wedding for a young couple getting married, and it was a financial miracle of provision. And if you doubt that, you've never paid for one of your family members to get married. The first catch of fish in Luke chapter 5 was a miracle of provision. And the day's miracle, the second catch of fish, it is a miracle of provision. In Luke chapter 5, Peter and the others, they had worked hard all night. They had caught nothing. Jesus asked to borrow Peter's boat. Peter said, yes, and Jesus then blessed Peter in return. Peter met the master of provision. It's December. Say it this way. He met Emmanuel, God with us. An Old Testament, New Testament, a sign of the Lord, an indicator of the presence of God is provision. You know, at prayer yesterday morning, a man mentioned that at Thanksgiving he had a relative, family member, giving him a hard time about prosperity. Look, this is so basic. A sign that the Almighty God is present is provision. A sign that Jesus Christ is present and in the room is provision. This is fundamental, and this is basic, and it's all throughout the Bible. Peter learned on that day that Jesus provides, and he multiplies, and that's why Peter and the others that day could so easily leave behind everything to follow Jesus. These were Jewish men in the first century. Peter had a mother-in-law, which means he had a wife, which means he had children, he had people counting on him for support and provision. And yet, he left his business behind to follow Jesus without a concern or a worry about how everyone was going to 
eat. A sign that the Lord is present is provision. Jesus ministered for three years before giving his life. He preached the word of God. He taught the people to love God, to love each other. He demonstrated, as we've learned, compassion and mercy. He walked in grace and love and truth. He healed the sick. He set the oppressed free. And not just the natural descendants of Abraham. He did wonders in the lives of those outside the covenant. That is the grace and mercy of God. He even raised the dead. After he raised Lazarus from the dead, the religious leaders not only plotted to kill Jesus, they wanted to kill Lazarus too because he was proof, he was evidence, living, walking evidence that Jesus was the one who was to come. And then they crucified the Savior of the world. For the men who chose to follow Jesus, that seemed to be a setback, a disappointment, a failure. Jesus had told them repeatedly that he was going to lay down his life. Yet, in real time, they didn't fully understand or grasp what that meant. John chapter 21. In John chapter 21, the disciples are discouraged. Some at this point had seen the resurrected Christ, yet obviously they did not really believe Jesus had risen from the dead. And how do we know that? We know that by what they chose to do in John chapter 21. Jesus had given his life. He had risen from the dead. He had shown himself to some of the disciples and proven he was alive. He had breathed his Holy Spirit upon them, and they were to go into all the world, and they were to preach the good news of the gospel. And yet, we see in John chapter 21, they didn't fully get it. How do we know? By what they chose to do in John chapter 21. John 21, beginning in verse 1, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And I love that. It says again, that, that is the grace and the mercy of God. Praise God if we don't get it the first time. We've got another opportunity coming. Praise God if we don't get it a second or a third time. We've got another opportunity coming. That is the grace and the mercy of God. He appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, which was James and John, and two other disciples were together. Well, if you do the math, that's more than six, which means more than half the disciples had gone back to their former way of life. So they didn't really get it. They didn't really believe. How do we know? By what they chose to do. They were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. These men, they were not recreational fishers. It's not like you or I, when we go out and we try to catch something, they were professionals. And so this symbolized a return to their former way of life. Peter said, I'm going out to fish. They said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And when we go on vacation at the beach, Samuel, he wants to go fishing. Last time we, we rented a boat and we went out and did our best, caught a few things, but after half the day, it was time to go back home. And again, that's me, my father, amateurs, hiring a boat, somebody who knows what they're doing, 
doing the best we know how to do. These men were professionals. If anyone know, knew where to go, if anyone knew what kind of bait to use, if anyone knew what was the proper time of the day, if anyone knew the proper casting technique, and all of that, it was Peter and these men. Yet despite all of their expertise, despite all of their knowledge, they fished all night and they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And so he appeared, but it was Jesus in his resurrected body. Don't have time to explain all that this morning, but in Luke's gospel, if you read the account of the disciples along the road to Emmaus, it says the disciples recognized him when he gave thanks and he broke bread. I love the way the Apostle Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians that when we receive our resurrected body, it'll be better, it'll be more glorious, it'll be wonderful. The Apostle Paul describes it in the most beautiful way, that what is sown in dishonor is raised in honor, that what is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable, that it is glorious like the resurrected body of our Lord and Savior. Now, does that mean that we'll all be our perfect weight? I don't know, but I would imagine we'll be a little bit more handsome, a little bit more beautiful. And so it says the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Here in this miracle, we see principles and we see a pattern we see all throughout the miracles of the Bible. And it is so simple. Jesus first said it. John 21, verse 5, he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now, that they, these guys weren't on the Titanic. You see online, some billionaire has a great big luxury yacht. They weren't on some great big luxury yacht. In that, the first century, the size of the boat would not have been much larger than the center portion of this stage, wood boat out there on the sea. It makes no sense. Tell your neighbor, say, it makes no sense. Tell your other neighbor, say, what the Lord said makes no sense. Jesus didn't say, go to some other part of the sea or lake. Jesus didn't say, well, you're in the wrong spot. He just said, throw your nets over on the other side. Now, Again, I don't have a whiteboard to draw an illustration, but again, when they're not in a vessel very large, what, what difference does the side of the boat make? Because the net's going to basically the same place. Even if there was a good current, it's still basically going to the same place. And this is why we, we say and teach all the time, we're to walk by faith. We're to walk by the word of God, not by, not by sight or by circumstance. You know, we, we live in times where everything costs more. I think we're all mindful of it. We just had Thanksgiving and you could be at the store and the Lord move upon your heart. You see someone, they don't have enough money to pay for what they've got in their cart and they're having to set items aside or put items back and the Lord move upon your heart to cover it, to be a blessing. You might think to yourself, well, I don't have enough or I need more and why, why would the Lord have me do that if, if I need more? You might say, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to the, the natural mind. And this is why we walk by faith. We walk by the word of God. 
He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So Jesus said it. And the best thing to do is what the Lord says to do. You know, Wednesday night, my father was dealing with parenting in line with the word of God. And in any area of life, in any matter of life, the best thing is just to do what the Lord says do and to do things his way. And even if you might protest and say, well, Lord, I'm no dummy. Our boat's not that big. The net's going in the same water, kind of to the same area. How is this going to make a difference? Just do what the Lord says. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So Jesus said it. And then the disciples, in simple faith and obedience, they did it. His instructions made no sense in the natural, but they obeyed anyway. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And they, in simple faith and simple obedience, just did what Jesus said do. Second part of verse six, when they did. When they did what? When they did what Jesus said do. When they obeyed. When they followed his specific instructions. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. It's daytime. You know, and as they teach you, now, now the fish can see you. You're not supposed to be more successful. They had fished all night and had caught nothing. And yet, as soon as they did what Jesus said do, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. So they did it, and they received their miracle. They were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And then John the author of this gospel, he, he told it. And you might say, Austin, these steps, these principles are so basic. Well, it's the basic things that yield great results. Jesus said it, they did it, they received their miracle, and then John told it. Verse seven, the disciple whom Jesus loved, elsewhere you find out that that's John. And, uh, you know, perhaps John was bragging on himself a little, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, how did they know it was the Lord? Well, because a miracle had taken place. They had been out there all night fishing and had caught nothing. They're not quite sure who this is on shore. Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and then they are unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. So John, in faith, declares it's the Lord. Well, how did they know it was the Lord? Because there was plenty. There was provision. There was more than enough. And that's why, you know, mentioning somebody going to Thanksgiving, a relative giving them a hard time. Look, a sign of God's absence is a lack of provision. But when there's plenty, when there's more than enough, when there's a miracle, you know God is present. You know God is at work. You know, Jesus is present. Jesus is in the room. How, how did John know this was the Lord? Because they went from nothing, not just to something, they went from nothing to plenty, like that. They, they had fished all night and had caught nothing. You know, in the spring, we went on the boys' camping trip, and there was a whole lot of fishing going on. Some of it's pretty hardcore, a little too much for me. There were guys going out at night, going out in the middle of the night, 
going out at 4 a.m. in the morning. You know, and Sam will kind of look at me like that, look, are we going? Nope, son, that, that's past your father's comfort level. That's work. That's hard work. Some of those men caught a lot of fish. Then they had to clean the fish, gut the fish, do all of that. That's completely, totally out of my comfort zone. Some of those men, they, they, had, they had ice chests full of fish. That's work. But they had worked all night and had caught nothing. Completely unsuccessful. And then within a span of just a few minutes, five minutes or less, they went from nothing to plenty. They went from nothing to more than enough. Tell your neighbor, say, that's the Lord. Tell your other neighbor, say, say that's God. This, this is the kind of stuff that happens when God shows up. This is the kind of stuff that happens when God is at work. As soon as Simon Peter heard John say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around himself, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. Peter loved the Lord. Despite his faults, despite his shortcomings, he loved the Lord. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it, some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish. Tell your neighbor, say, say large fish. You know, on that same camping trip, the, that Saturday morning, it was wet and it was cold. And, you know, do you want to go on the boat? No, I'm good. I don't want to go out on the boat. So we went down to the wood fishing dock, spent hours out there, had to stay out there until Samuel caught something. And at some point, he caught a little fish about this big. That's good, son. Let's take your picture. We have proof, evidence we were here. <laughs> proof, evidence we were successful. But look at what it says. It was full of large fish. How many? 153. Now, it was the Lord. It was seven men. Did they need 153 fish? See, we get certain ideas and concepts in our head maybe because of what we heard growing up or what we heard a pastor or someone religious say at some point that plenty is wasteful that plenty is too much but I want you to see that that's what God does they went from nothing to plenty they went from nothing to more than enough it was Jesus and it was seven of the disciples how many fish were there 153 large fish. Now, these guys weren't Americans in 2023. There's no way they were going to eat all this fish. But that's what God does. He does plenty. He does more than enough. It was so full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. That was a miracle. Earlier in the Gospels, when Jesus calls the fishermen to follow him, they're there, James and John, mending, repairing, fixing the nets. It was a part of what went on in their business. But even with this supernatural catch, even their nets were not torn. Jesus said to them, come have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. 
Tell your neighbor, say, they're starting to get it. Tell your other neighbor, say, they're starting to get it. So how do you know when God shows up? Well, when there's a miracle. How do you know when God shows up? Well, when there's plenty. When there's more than enough. When somehow, you don't know how, can't explain it, there's an abundance. Earlier, Jesus fed a large crowd, not just once, but twice. But after, the disciples were worried about bread. They even said, Lord, is it because we have no bread? Even after Jesus multiplied five loaves of bread and two fish for 5,000 men, plus women and children, the disciples still doubted God's provision. They were worried about bread and having enough to eat, even though there had been 12 basketfuls left over. On this day, how did they know it was the Lord? Because John told it, and because of the wonderful miracle of provision, it is the Lord. Friends, we have not yet come to the place where we are no longer worried about provision. But it is possible to come to the place where you know God is your source and he is your supply and the Lord is going to provide. Some way, somehow, the Lord is going to provide. Verse 13, Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had been raised from the dead. What is the challenge of faith? The challenge of faith is to believe God, to follow Jesus, to stay in faith, even when you face disappointments, setbacks, and failures. In the last seven days, we've received probably one of the greatest testimonies I've ever read. It's a good one, a little long, so I have to pick a Sunday where the message is shorter and I, I can come up here for my parents and read it in both services, but it's one of the greatest testimonies I've ever read of a man who was dying in a hospital, and while he's dying in the hospital, his wife is leaving him. Rock bottom, rock bottom, there's no more rock bottom than that. But in the testimony, he shares how God has turned everything around. And one miracle of provision after another for him and for his children. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. And yes, in life there are disappointments. Yes, in life there are challenges. Yes, in life there are failures. But the challenge of faith is to believe God, to follow Jesus, to stay in faith, even when you face disappointments, setbacks, or failures. The disappointment or failure could be a financial setback. It could be losing a job or home, a bankruptcy. It could be a situation that didn't go your way, a sickness or illness, someone, maybe even a husband or wife, letting you down. For Peter and the others, their disappointment was the death of Jesus. Yes, he had risen from the dead, but they still did not really believe it. And how do we know? By what they did. They went back to their boats and to their nets. For three years, 12 grown men who were married traveled with Jesus in ministry. Jesus provided for them every step of the way. Yet now they were having a hard time believing God for provision. And once again, the master of provision showed up. Peter loved the Lord. Peter had left everything behind to follow Jesus. He was loyal, bold, devoted, so much so that when the religious authorities, as we saw last Sunday, 
when they arrested Jesus, Peter chopped off one of their ears. Like us, Peter wasn't perfect. When Jesus asked questions, Peter didn't always have the right answers. When Jesus taught, Peter did not always understand. And we all know he denied the Lord three times. And on one of those occasions, it was to a young, near probably teenage girl. No doubt, Peter struggled with believing God and living by faith. And after denying the Lord three times, Peter must have thought he was no longer fit to serve God. So what did he do? He went back to his boats, to his nets. Yet once again, the master of provision showed up. And that is the grace and the mercy of God. Amen. The challenge of faith is to believe God, to stay in faith, to keep following Jesus even when there is a disappointment, a setback, or a failure. Maybe you didn't finish your education. Maybe you didn't accomplish your goal. Maybe you failed at a career or job path or business idea. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe a marriage failed. Maybe a child disappointed you. Maybe you disappointed your family. Maybe you faced a sickness and struggled with believing God for healing. Maybe in your heart you know you haven't obeyed God in this area or that area. But I want to encourage you today, shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. And stop looking at the problem or the need or your failure and look to Jesus. He is the answer. My father preached during the first service. I wrote down in my notes, and this is not in the notes. This is, this is the Lord. See, Peter loved the Lord, and Peter had his faults. But Peter did something the others never did. Peter walked on water. But how did Peter do it? He did it by looking to the Lord. And when you look to the Lord, you can do impossible things. Hallelujah. And you know the account. As soon as his eyes got off Jesus and on the, the waves, the sea, he began to sink. But as long as he looked to the Lord and kept his eyes on Jesus, he was on firm ground. So that, that's what I'm preaching you today. In your finances, in your marriage, if you have family, if you have children, if you're raising children, look to the Lord. Look to Jesus. And maybe there's been a disappointment. Maybe there's been a setback. Maybe there's been a failure. Maybe you feel, you feel like Peter. Maybe you have failed the Lord in some way. Look to the Lord. Amen. When we look to the Lord, that's the answer. When we look to the Lord, that makes all things possible. When we look to Jesus and keep our eyes on Jesus, that makes all things possible. Okay. And it, that faith, it enables us to do impossible things. Peter had said, I'm going out to fish. They said, heck, heck, we'll go with you. That's where they were. But praise God for the Lord's grace and mercy. They caught nothing, but Jesus showed up. When we do things our own way, when we do things our way, not the Lord's way, that's when we catch nothing. The best thing is to do what Jesus says, and that's when there is provision. But praise God, God is good. God is gracious. God is merciful. He's the God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. Jesus showed up, verse 5, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. I can see them embarrassed and ashamed. 
It's like God asking us, how's it working out doing your own thing? How's it working out not living by faith? How's it working out not obeying my word? Or as my father taught Wednesday evening, how's it working out not doing it the Bible way regarding family or children? Friends, haven't you any fish? When you faced a setback, when you have gotten out of faith and have gone back to doing your own thing, there's a solution. Once again, hear and obey God. Once again, follow Jesus. Once again, do what he has called you to do. Once again, follow the Lord. He is the master of provision. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And again, 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 plenty. More than enough. And this is, again, a miracle of financial provision. If you go to a nice seafood restaurant and say, I want the biggest grilled fish you got, the nicest, the best from the Atlantic, not from a pond somewhere in Texas, there's a cost to that. 153 large fish. The key is to do what the Lord says do. The key to receive a miracle and to receive supernatural provision is to hear and obey, to do what the Lord says do. And the challenge of faith, despite any disappointments, setbacks, and failures, is to believe God, to follow Jesus, and to stay in faith. Didn't read a testimony today, but Jessica and I have one. It's the goodness of God. A few Sundays ago after church, Jessica was going to go with Sophie and Michaela to see her father's mother, one of her grandmothers. And so Jessica had baked cookies and loaded the girls in the car and was going to go see one of her grandmothers. And she was in West Fort Worth on I-20. And, you know, we, we take excellent care of everything God has blessed us with. And you don't doubt me, just ask my father, mother, anybody that knows me. Every 5,000 miles we get whatever cars we have, we get the oil changed, we get tires rotated. If they say something needs to be done, it's done. We, we take good care of what God has blessed us with. And so she was in her car headed out to see her grandmother and something didn't sound right. Then in the dashboard it said reduced engine power and said there was sound that didn't sound good. Well, praise God for protection. She was able to safely get over to the left shoulder which by itself is a little treacherous. I-20, people, Texas, driving 80 miles an hour. And even when I got there to help her, even though there was a police officer there with his lights on, encouraging people to slow down, it's Texas, she's there on the left shoulder, people whizzing by 80 miles an hour. Praise God for his protection. And so, of course, went and helped her, got the vehicle towed, and a couple of days we're all wondering, well, <laughs> what's the issue? And we had just had her car serviced recently. So I wondered, what's, what's the issue? Well, they let us know that a valve spring broke in her engine, which then apparently caused other problems. And so the bottom line is they said that everything oil touched would have to be replaced. And my next question was, well, <laughs> is that covered or what's the situation? Well, they let us know it would all be covered. But then the next thing we were concerned with, I'm sure in the last three years, whether buying a dishwasher or doing this or that in your business. We've all heard about the supply chain being messed up from COVID and how it takes longer to get anything done and all of that. 
So then we were all wondering, well, uh, when are we going to see that vehicle again? And it was Thanksgiving. And I, I tell you what, inside of seven days, they had everything fixed, replaced, and that car back to us, no charge whatsoever. Inside of seven days. And somebody might say, well, that's, that's a good dealer. You, you need to have faith in the Lord as much as you do in your car dealer. And that is a good dealer, and they're good people, but I'm telling you, that's the Lord. The engine, everything oil touched, replaced, the vehicle back to us, no issues, no weird noises, <laughs> no new noises. That's the Lord. And so there might be a problem. There might be a challenge. There might be a disappointment. But instead of saying, well, why or why me? Instead, say what you want. Instead, say what you desire. Instead, say what is true, that, that God is good and that he doesn't cause all things, but in all things, he works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And it, as we dealt with the last two Sundays, if you messed up, ask his forgiveness. Or if you did, did wrong to someone else, ask their forgiveness. But if you've done those things, it's under the blood of Jesus. So there's nothing hindering you from receiving from God. So then say, the Lord is good. And the Lord is working good on my behalf. And he is providing. He is wonderfully providing. Not just enough, more than enough. Because he is good. Please bow your heads. You might be here today and say, Austin, I've heard you preach about the goodness of God and how wonderful he is, but I, I don't know the Lord. I, I've never had an encounter with God. I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's Jesus. That he gave his life that any of us who believe upon him, we could become a part of the family of God. That is the grace and the mercy of God. He took our sins upon himself. He paid the price you and I deserve to pay so we can be a part of the family of God. And he's standing at the door of your life. He's knocking. But what you have to do is you have to open the door and ask him to come into your life. If you're here today and say, Austin, I've never done that, but I want to. I want to ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I want to make, make him my Lord and my, my God, this master of provision. If that's you today, say, Austin, I want to pray. I want to give my life to the Lord. If that's you, wherever you're seated, raise your hand to where I'll see it and I'll know you want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to ask Jesus into my heart and into my life. You might be here today and at a time in your life you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you know in your heart you've not been living for the Lord. You've been doing your own thing. The Bible tells us that the mercy and the grace of God, it is new every morning. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can have a new beginning. You can have a fresh start. You can leave here today knowing that you have peace with God. If you're here today and say, Austin, pray with me. I want to recommit my life. I want to make things right with the Lord before I go. If that's you, wherever you're seated, raise your hand so I'll know you want me to pray with you. 
might be watching or listening online now or later, say, Austin, pray with me. Pray this simple prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins and I give you my life. Time's gone by. I've gone my own way and I have paid the price. But I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for welcoming me into your family. I thank you for saving me, healing me, blessing me, and filling me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer now or later, we wanna be a blessing. You can go to the address on the screen or go to the website. It's a short form to fill out. We'll send you a Bible. We'll also send you a copy of God's Very Own Child, a short book by my father. We have it in English or Spanish. It's short, easy to read. It'll help you get started in living the Christian life. You might wonder, do we get response to that? We do nearly every Sunday, and I, I love it. And even, even when it's in Texas, hopefully not Kennedale, but further out in Texas, but getting to lunch and seeing an email from someone who prayed and gave their life to the Lord, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. And he wonderfully, wonderfully provides.